Hello and welcome to today's interview with RMIT Gallery and Anthony Hamilton, the Artistic Director of Number of the Machine. This is an intriguing um, kinetic sculpture which is going to be performed over several weeks at RMIT Gallery. This is quite different from many of the other things that we've seen recently in the gallery. In Number of the Machine, two human bodies become components disassembling and laboriously transporting a timber dwelling from one synthetic island to another. What is amazing about this is that the performance will take place um, for several hours in the course of a day, uh, over every day during that exhibition piece. And the actors, performers, dancers will not have a break during that time. Number of the Machine carries many layers of meaning and um, Anthony Hamilton is going to discuss these with us now. Welcome, Anthony. Thank you for having me. Now, um, how would you describe this? Is this an exhibition? Is it a performance? Is it a kinetic sculpture? Is it all of the above? It is all of the above. And, uh, yeah, the wonderful thing about working in a gallery context is, in a way, I've always viewed that um, the gallery as a platform does offer these uh, very varied um, uh, ways of presenting work in the in a in the way that theatres really don't as much. Um, people, tr you know, have make attempts, I guess, to uh, work in the theatre in different ways. But essentially, the the sort of the transaction of the audience coming and um, viewing uh, something from a distance is fairly un unbroken. Um, to a large degree. And um, there's something about the spatial uh, possibilities and the, the, the narrative possibilities within a gallery which sort of, um, yeah, they, they offer these different, different sorts of ways of presenting uh, work, um, which, you know, very much attracted me to creating work for the gallery rather than for a theatre in this context. And what is really interesting is that it's probably a different audience as well. People aren't going in specifically thinking they're going to see a theatrical performance in a theatre. They're walking into a gallery and seeing this amazing kinetic sculpture, if you like. Um, but what is interesting is that it's live. So I guess it's a bit like performance art in as much as there is that um, factor of danger, if you like, of, of live performance. Um, but you're not asking audiences to sit down and watch for any length of time, are you? No, that's right. Um, it, as a choreographer, in many ways, uh, in the past, it's been difficult for me to uh, get beyond uh, the, the the perception of bodies on stage as people, which I've always been curious about challenging and pushing the envelope with. But simply because the context is that usually we're seeing people on stage, so we so we bring that uh, you know representation of the body in that regard as you know as a person um, to that situation. Whereas in the gallery, I do feel it gives, it offers this sort of potential to look at the sort of biology of the body, that organic material of the body as material, as a sort of material element um, in relationship to other things in the space. Um, the technological components of the work, these sort of machine-like components um, interfacing with this biology. And I'm really curious about that type of, narrative as well um and yeah so so but so in terms of um audiences having the potential to sort of define their own uh span of time that they want to spend with the work uh that's the that's one of the other things that's very fluid about the gallery and i would not want to i'm not 
I'm not curious. I'm really not interested in um, uh, fixing that. You know, I think it's really an important aspect of the gallery that there is this fluidity of, of time, which also is lacks in theatre. It's difficult to do that in theatre. So, yeah. It's really interesting as you're talking about um, seeing the uh, performers as biological entities. Um, in a sense, when I saw the rehearsal of Number of the Machine, the um, uh, Six Degrees of Freedom simulation platforms, I think that's been developed by the AKE lab at RMIT, um, in a sense seem to be an entity and a sentient entity of itself, um, which brings us into interesting ideas of the future of humanity with AI, artificial intelligence. Um, Are those sort of ideas that you had in your head when you were putting this together? Yeah, certainly. Um, I would say I'm I'm a bit of a technophobe. I'm not really... I don't have a particularly strong interest in technology as such... um, for any inherent uh, value that it has or anything that it kind of offers. In a way, I, I have an almost childlike appreciation of technology in the sense that it's, so, it's kind of um, mythological in a way, in the sense of it being it, having a distance from, from us as, as, uh, as humans, um, almost replacing, um, replacing our, our, like a god, it's creating like a godlike kind of, um, uh, position in society where it sort of has these distances and we sort of, um, we treat it with, with this kind of, um, uh, as if it were something out of, out of our understanding or reach as, as sort of, you know, everyday people. Um, I, I love that idea of, of technology. Um, and so this, so this, but this, yeah, so this, also this sentience that you talk about that's, um, perceived from them. I really like the idea of, uh, I guess, sort of pushing these two things together, as I said before, the biology and the technology, and looking at kind of which one is, is kind of leading the leading the conversation here, which one's kind of in charge, which one, which one is controlling the other. Um, are we really sort of in control of our environment or do we move alongside of it as it just sort of plows forward through time? Um, growing and, and changing and um, developing new powers and new strengths. Um, and, yeah, how much do we sort of... Uh, are we able to sort of define our own relationship and terms with technology as it moves alongside us? I'm really curious about that. Mm. What is really interesting is now this... Um, the number of the machine will be in um, a gallery space that is surrounded by, um, I guess, a, a larger exhibition called Ocean Imaginaries, um, which is part of um, Climate's Art Plus Climate Equals Change 2017 festival. So there is an environmental um, sort of aspect to that and looking at um, oceans in an era of um, global risk, um, environmental change. When I looked um, at uh, the rehearsal of Number of the Machine, I guess I couldn't but help feel there was some sort of... Um, I don't know, a message about vulnerability of humanity, maybe people, because it does seem to be people moving from one <clears throat> precarious dwelling or raft on a movable surface to another. That to me said something, but I'm perfectly aware that I'm bringing my own reading and interpretation into it, which mightn't be there. How do you see that? 
Well, it's not a it's it's not an unusual uh, parallel to draw at all from from the work. I mean, I would just say you know work, my works do tend to float uh, in a way outside of you know very I try and make them float outside of a very hyper specific uh, subject matter, so that there is this ability to draw threads from all sorts of different themes and um, and stories that we want to tell um, that might relate or may not relate to. Um, uh, you know themes that are ever, sort of ever present or more um, kind of um, uh, cu- you know current in the in the current sort of like discussion about you know where the world is at and where we are at within it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think when you when you bring this kind of like primitive kind of aesthetic of things with this technological aesthetic, um, it it sort of starts to look at. Um, Again, like, I mean, how we kind of like manage ourselves within an ever-changing environment and, um, and we sort of bring our history along with it. But yeah, there's, there is, there is this arc with the work, which is about migration, absolutely. And about shifting from, um, one space to another in the work. There are these two, uh, motion simulators, which are the location for the performers and they essentially, um, begin with a fixed dwelling, um, very complete on top of one of them, one of the motion simulators. Now, over the course of four hours, they disassemble this home of theirs, which is the way I kind of see it, and then they transport it across um, from one to the other. And, yeah, it does kind of speak of things like migration and the sense of um, the, the need to, to shift and move and rebuild and find... Um, but, but inevitably, what, what's kind of, what I find kind of, sort of unsettling about the work is it sort of has a, um, a clockwork or monotony to it, which is that it's, they're repeating themselves in this, in this action, um, which seems to perhaps hark to the, the, you know, maybe there's a sort of dread about the possibility that maybe we can't, we can't ever break from the, the line that we're on and maybe we can't resolve problems that we're creating in the world. Um, so, I mean, those themes do sort of carry through. Yeah. Sure. I mean, one of the things I was thinking of when I was watching the rehearsal is Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the, the fact that we need shelter. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, when that shelter is threatened, we have to seek it somewhere else and all our energy goes into that. And that's what we see the performance doing. They're not smiling. They're not interacting they're simply like um, maybe ants even just constructing that shelter yeah yeah that's right and there's a there's a kind of um there's a busyness to their activity it's sort of quite focused but it's also um very one-minded single-minded where um as you say this sort of like the, the necessity of this basic need is is um uh paramount and there's no real space or room for them to sort of um, reflect really or enjoy uh, any other aspect of so that it's it's kind of a meditation in a way as well though on um, on those on, on the way yeah we have to approach those basic necessities of life yeah. sure and uh, when you talked about busyness um, that's a, a sort of a, a great uh, moment to actually talk about the performers can you tell me a bit about who they are and um, the, the endurance level of actually performing for so many hours without a break each day talk about that Sure, yeah. So the performers are uh, Melanie Lane and Amber McCartney. Melanie's a long-time collaborator who I've worked with uh, for probably around uh, nine or ten years now, on and off. Uh, and Amber McCartney is a dancer who uh, is an independent artist working in Melbourne with a range of other choreographers, and it's our first time working together. Um, 
Yeah, funnily enough, this this work, it's not quite the endurance test that people might think in the sense that um, most most dancers when they're working on a project probably do longer hours than this and they're more intensive and more physically demanding than really what they're doing in this in this work as you say there is this um, uh, the, the, the the real mental endurance is the thing I think because it is uh, quite focused and there are no breaks um, however as I say like I mean rehearsal periods tend to be a lot more you know aggressively uh, uh, physical than this is and they're used to longer hours working to be honest so they're kind of looking forward to the meditation of this performance um, and probably don't feel entirely um, worried about the level of endurance required to do it we'll see how that goes I suppose once they're sort of halfway through the season because it is a three-week season um, which is a little more unusual for for performers I suppose well in contemporary contemporary dance um, seasons tend to be about a week and they're yeah they're, they're sort of in the evening so they're not these four hour sessions you're right <laughs> I suddenly um, felt incredibly slothful and uh, aware that uh, activity for me would be walking to get a coffee during ah. the day. So, uh, hence, hence my uh, my query. Um, one of the interesting things is um, the element of sound. Now, um, twenty hertz are doing the sound from um, RMIT's AKE lab, and uh, they've um, had uh, various um, different um, exhibits at different exhibitions over the years at RMIT Gallery, and. Um, always uh, garnered a very strong uh, response from audiences who are intrigued by uh, the, the component. Um, can you talk about a bit about the importance about the sound as well as the movement in the work? Sure. Yeah, so, I mean, it really was kind of like a group effort um, coming together to really uh, define what kind of sound elements we all really wanted to um, have sort of present in the work. I was very, we very quickly kind of decided, so sorry, I should just say the team is uh, Darren Verhagen, who actually invited me originally to do a short residency at the Audio Kinetic Experiments Lab, um, where I first started to develop the work. Uh, Darren is um, heading the sound composition as such, and um, James Paul is doing the sound, uh, he's he's done some programming and uh, sort of tuning the, the system in the room. And uh, Toby Brodell is uh, has been doing the uh, software for the actual motion simulator actions uh, that happen. Um, so it's a real group effort in the sense that um, those elements really merge and uh, cross over because uh, the, the sound basically is comprised of the choreography of the machines themselves so that's all pre-programmed we're calling it choreography for the machines you know that they have certain movements that they do that those movements were recorded and then they're amplified to play alongside with with certain uh, added sort of reverbs and sub sub bass to give it uh, more depth and more sort of strength and sort of um th- sort of more threatening kind of ominous kind of vibe um uh, but yeah, and then there's also the additional element, which is this timber structure, which has this um, sort of um, a more uh, organic, uh, natural sound, which responds to the movement of the motion simulators as well. So that plays into the to the sound content as well. Um, but you, yeah, you can see that um, we've really sort of simplified, and um, uh, 20 hertz have really sort of narrowed down and um, sort of streamlined what the sound content will be. It's really not additional um, composition as such. It's more amplifying and drawing out the sound of the machines 
Um, James did some great work with the programming of the of the motion simulators to, to get certain rhythmic patterns that it could play. So it became, it did actually become much more musical um, and um, quite a sort of primitive feeling um, rhythmic um, machinery sound, which is yeah, really wonderful. Mm-hmm. Terrific. Well, it sounds absolutely fascinating and it will be um, a very, uh, very different sort of work that we've seen in the gallery for a while. Um, audiences can see it from 18th of May to the 10th of June and, uh, and there will be um, performances each day, Mondays to Saturdays, 12.30 to 4.30 and Thursdays from 2.30 to 6.30. Thank you very much. Thank you.